The Apostle Paul was a man who had everything going for him, or so it seemed. He was born into a good family of the nation of Israel. He was educated in the finest Jewish schools, worked his way up the ecclesiastical ladder, and was apparently even elected the Sanhedrin, the high court of Israel. He was a righteous man who loved God and was zealous to serve him. He was respected by his peers and feared by his enemies. He had made it to the top, but gave it all up when he encountered the risen Christ on the road to Damascus. For as we noted last time we studied together, whatever things were gained to him, those things he counted as loss for the sake of Christ. He continues in Philippians 3, verses 8 through 11. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul willingly gave up everything for a relationship with Christ, a righteousness from Christ, and a resurrection through Christ. Are we willing to do the same? More than that, he said, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ. You know, as Marilyn and I were reminded while watching the Netflix series, The Crown, the world shakes its head in wonder when a king or someone in line to be king gives up all claims to the crown to marry a commoner. And as we've already noted, the Apostle Paul met someone on the Damascus Road for whom he willingly gave up everything, but this was no commoner. This was the resurrected, glorified Christ. Paul was on his way to Damascus with authority from the high priest and the council of the elders to arrest Jews who had become Christians and had then fled from Jerusalem to avoid punishment. He was a powerful man on a sacred mission when about noontime, a very bright light 
suddenly flashed from heaven all around him, and he fell to the ground. And he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He responded, well, who are you, Lord? And the voice answered, I am Jesus, the Nazarene. Now, that had happened some 30 years prior to the writing of this letter to the Philippians. But I'm sure that moment was still fresh in Paul's mind. Not only because it was an extraordinary event, but because it led to an extraordinary relationship. You know, I can still remember the moment I gave Marilyn her diamond ring. A ring that was just recently noticed by Paul's Aunt Kay, and I might add, declared to be a very beautiful ring. Uh, anyway, it was Christmas morning, 1970. I picked her up at home very early that morning, and uh, it was snowing lightly, very beautiful. We drove out to Lincoln Memorial Gardens, and we walked to the bench upon which we had first discussed our feelings for one another some two years earlier. And it was there I slipped the ring on her finger. Oh, I know. <laughs> now, I'm not known for my really good uh, memory, but I do remember that. Because it marked the beginning of a beautiful relationship, one that is still worth everything to me. That's the kind of relationship Paul had found with Christ Jesus, his Lord. He had known about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He had studied the law as recorded by Moses. He had sung the Psalms written by King David. He had known about God. But now he knew the Son of God. And as Mark made clear to you last week, to know someone biblically is to know them personally and intimately. Paul didn't just meet the risen Christ. He came to know Him. They had an ongoing, deep relationship. They spent time together. They talked together. They shared everything. They were, in fact, closer than brothers. Paul actually invited Christ into his life. And Jesus accepted the invitation. The Son of God had moved into Paul's life, and that relationship was worth everything to Paul. It made everything else he had ever experienced or possessed as worthless as rubbish. The word actually means dung. Nothing compared what he had in Christ. He had a relationship with Christ. A relationship that had been made possible, however, 
only because he had first been given a righteousness from Christ. He says, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Now, Paul had already achieved whatever degree of righteousness that could be attained from the law. He had been found blameless in the eyes of men. That righteousness, however, wasn't good enough to enable a personal relationship with the Son of God. The only way Paul could enter into fellowship with one who was perfectly righteous was to become perfectly righteous himself. But Paul couldn't do that. Sure, he could look righteous to others, but he knew he wasn't perfect before God. The only way Paul could be perfect in the eyes of God would be for him to be absolutely cleansed of all sin. And only God could do that. That was the key that made possible his relationship with the Son of God. But then, Paul would have to trust That God was not only able to forgive his sins, but that God had indeed actually done so. Only then could Paul enter into a secure relationship with Christ. The same is true for us. Now, we cannot build a secure relationship with Christ, if we're not sure we are acceptable to Him. And who among us can be acceptable to a perfect God? None of us. None of us. By our own power. Our own works. Our own desires. The only way to have a secure, uninhibited, personal relationship with Christ is to confess that we are not equal to that relationship. And then allow Him to make us equal to it. It's not something we can strive to achieve. It's something that is offered to us and something we graciously accept as a gift we could never earn. Or deserve. That's what it means to come to Christ by faith. Trusting that He and He alone can make us worthy to be His friend. Only when we fully accept that can we have complete confidence in our relationship with Him. As long as we think we're earning our relationship with God, we'll be unsure of our standing before Him. We'll never know in our heart of hearts whether we've done enough. It's only when we confess that we could never earn it and then greatly accept it as a gift that we can be sure we have it. And when we know we have it, it is worth 
everything. Everything. We then express that fact by doing everything we can to show God how grateful we are. We do seek to please Him more than anything else. Not trying to earn His good favor, but to demonstrate how much we love Him. We commit ourselves to a life of good works. Not to earn anything, but to simply demonstrate how much we love Him. And to show how grateful we are for what He's done. And what He has promised yet to do for us. We have a relationship with Christ. Made possible by a righteousness from Christ that will lead to a resurrection through Christ. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul had met the resurrected Christ and had seen his power at work. Now, Paul hadn't been there when Jesus fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. He hadn't been there when Jesus commanded the wind and waves to be still. Paul hadn't been there when Jesus himself arose from the grave. But Paul had seen the power of the resurrection. Paul had seen life come from that which was dead. All his old works, everything he had thought was something, had died. And from the ashes of his former life had arisen a new life. A life that made his old life fit only for the rubbish heap. A life filled with confidence and power and the guarantees of God. Now, it wasn't an easy life. He had suffered much. His relationship with Christ had truly cost him everything. But he found a sweet fellowship in that suffering that made it all worthwhile. After all, his Savior had suffered and died for him. And now he was being counted worthy to suffer for the cause of Christ. And that gave him a joy that nothing could diminish. He was willing even to die for Christ. Because he knew without a shadow of doubt that after death, he would live again. As Jesus had died and risen again, so would Paul die. And rise again. His relationship with Christ would continue for all eternity. Of that, Paul was certain. Resurrection power guaranteed it. And that was certainly worth everything. Paul had a relationship with Christ built on righteousness from Christ 
that guaranteed a resurrection through Christ. And for that, Paul gave up everything else. Jim Elliott, shortly before he was killed by the Aka Indians, he was seeking to bring to Christ, said this, A man is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. A man is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Who would argue with that? Paul had discovered that truth hundreds of years before Jim Elliot did. And men and women are still discovering that truth today. What we have in Christ is worth more than anything else we've ever had or experienced. We have a personal relationship with the Son of God. We can know Him as intimately as a man knows his wife. We can become one with Him through faith. Faith in the fact that He went to the cross and He did so for me, for you. For us. He suffered and died to pay for our sins. And then he gloriously demonstrated that he had done so by rising from the dead. And then, after making certain there was adequate testimony to the fact that he had risen, he ascended back to the spiritual realms from which he sent his spirit. To indwell us and empower us and to live through us. And we enter into that relationship by faith. Faith that He wants to have a relationship with us. That He's done everything necessary to make that relationship possible. And that that relationship will last forever through the power of the resurrection. What's that worth? It's worth everything. It's worth everything. Not that we can ever pay for it, but that we can willingly demonstrate how much we appreciate it by giving back to Him a life committed to His glory and dedicated to His service. That's the least we can do for one who has done so much for us.